Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Let's pray. Lord, um, how awesome that the living God is amongst us tonight. I mean, are you joking? Like, you're here. Like, you are Emmanuel in our midst. And as we ministered to you tonight, I know you were so pleased. I know your pleasure. I know you inhabited the worship and the praise. And Lord, now we would ask, Father, would you minister to us? You know, as the prayers went up in worship, what's really going on in that internal landscape of each and every person. And your word, you, Jesus, you have the ability to come tonight and minister just how we need, not the person next to us, but just how we need, me included. And so we just lay it out before you, our hearts, our life, this time. And we say, Lord, we've got ears to hear. And where we're feeling a little stuck or like we can't hear, tonight, God, we just trust that you can even make a way through that. In Jesus' name. Amen. He's going to do something. He's going to do something. I can feel it. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. It's only the beginning. So here we go. We're going to go on a journey. I'm going to tell you a story. All right. And the story begins with the Israelites in Egypt. Who can tell me how long were the Israelites in Egypt for? Okay, who? We should ask Jackson, right? Let's put him on the spot. <laughs> Jackson. How, oh, sorry, sorry, Pastor Jackson, who oversees all our youth um, and steers them in the way that they should go. How long were the Israelites in Egypt for? 430 430 years. Thank So they were in Egypt for 430 years. Now, it started off pretty good. Okay, things started off pretty good for um, the Israelites. But by the time Moses comes on the scene, which many of us have heard, they've been there for 430 years. Their grandparents, their grandparents, grandparents, their grandparents, 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 grandparents have all been enslaved. So you talk about generational like wealth and generational poverty. I mean, all that this generation knew was in slavery, all they knew, the stories that they knew that were of recent times were being oppressed, and being slaves. And so Moses comes on the scene and, um, you know, most of us know the story, but they get to the Red Sea and what do they do? Grumble. Yep, that's what happens. So God's basically done this amazing, um, you know, miracle to get them out and set them free and they get to this dead end and they can't go back and they can't go forward. And so they start having a whinge. I know that well. I've definitely been in the winch with the Lord. But God does what? He parts the Red Sea, right? And they have this enormous, ginormous, incredible experience where they're walking through a sea that's sure to be closed and it's opened by the power of this God and their identity must have started being forged about how important am I? 
How much am I loved that God would do this to me? And as they're walking through and they look back, the past and all the stories they've heard come crashing down as the Red Sea deals with the slavery. And they're on the other side. I mean, incredible. And I think of my story and maybe many here where you can identify with that because once we were without Jesus, once we were living a life where we just felt trapped and tormented, where life was hard and then we encountered Jesus and here you have this representation of the waters of baptism, right? We come from the old life into the new life and we're standing there and we're like, being around new Christians? They're just like, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Did you know about Jesus? Jesus loved, I mean, it's why? I was dead and now I'm alive. It's the best. I reckon they would have wanted to camp there. I mean, they are on the mountaintop. Woo! But God's design and purpose for the Israelite nation was not that they would camp on a mountain and enjoy their own freedom, but that they would be a lighthouse on a hill to nations that were in pain and suffering. And so because of that, God had a plan and He knew He was gonna have to do some work internally because the Red Sea was a demonstration of His nature. But now He had to to prepare them for the plan He had for them. So here's where we are in the story, right? And then we can um, pop the Scripture up. So off they go, right, on a three-day journey. Then Moses leads the Israelites from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they travelled in the desert without finding water. So they probably had some food, you know, they were probably stocked up, but the fact that it's saying they're trying to find it means that, They're, you know, possibly parched. Now, the Greek word there for the three days they travelled actually comes um, from this concept of being hangry. Um, That is the Greek word for three days. It's it's hangry. It's not really. Um, I don't know the Greek. Um, I'm I'm not that speaker. So, um, but can you imagine? They're looking for water and they're like, I am parched. I don't know. Who, like... I don't know, Tim, I feel like I've known you in your fasts. Would Milani say that you're like a good faster or a hangry faster? A little bit hangry, he said. Milani would go hangry over there. So they finally see what looks like water. How good's that? Let's find out what happens. Okay, let's keep going. When they came to Marah, woo! They could not drink the water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, "What are we to drink?" And and this idea here is taking us back to what they were like before the Red Sea. Okay, so here they are again, and they're having a big fat whinge fest. They're like, "Oh my gosh!" And part of me goes, are you guys, like, what is even happening here? Like three days ago, you saw probably the biggest miracle to ever take place. Like if I had a Red Sea part before me, 
I'd be like, oh, the Lord, he will provide. Oh, the Lord, he will provide. So there's that, definitely that part of me. And then I repent because then I think about my own life. And most definitely God does great things. And then most definitely the next day, I'm like, do you even love me? Don't you reckon? You're like, am I even your favourite? I know the feeling. And not only that, but bitter disappointment because they thought they'd found it. They thought they'd arrived. This is it. This is the promise. Yeah, God's going to look after me. We're here. We've made it. We're not here at all. And sometimes I wonder, sometimes I wonder if it would be easier to not get that close to the promises of God and have them fall away. Because it's real hard when you feel like all the things that you feel like God said He'd do for you are just there. But they're not. This is bitter. That word Mara is a really interesting word. A little later in the book of Ruth, we read a story about a woman called Naomi. Has anyone heard of Naomi? And... It says of Naomi, Naomi means um, like pleasant. She loses her husband. This is someone who loves the Lord. And then she loses her two sons. And she says, don't call me, don't call me pleasant anymore. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Because Mara means a place of bitterness. And she had felt like this God that she loved and served, who she gave a life for, that he had dealt her a harsh hand. That's what she says. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. For the Lord has dealt me a harsh hand. She probably didn't say it like that because I feel like it's really Australian. She would have said it like, I don't know. I don't know how to say uh, Hebrew. Probably not like that. So she's literally this picture of them down here. And they're grumbling. And I don't know, I reckon I do know, because you know what? I've been praying for you guys. And the thing about the Jesus that I serve is that he's alive, he's living, he's active. And if we're willing, to listen, he will talk to us. And I've been praying for you. And I believe that there's many here tonight and that sense of, in some areas, like, is God actually good? I mean, if you're honest, we don't tell anyone that out in public because we're all like, praise the Lord, God is good. But for the rest of us who are at home and the door's closed and maybe we're dealing with, some childhood trauma. Maybe we're dealing with some relationship issues. Maybe some stuff's going on at work. Maybe some things are going on relationally with your parents or your kids. Or just things that you feel like God would have done by now. Pregnancy, lack of pregnancy, getting married, not getting married, getting divorced. I mean, you can list. And if you're honest, if no one was around and you really looked inside your own heart, you might be honest enough to go, 
there's probably some waters of Mara within. And I know as Pentecostals, oh, I don't know if we're great at this. I don't think I was great at it. But you see, God led them. He led them to the waters of Mara. Because at the Red Sea, he demonstrated his nature. Three days later, the first place he takes them to is the waters of bitterness and suffering. 430 years in his, in his slavery. And I reckon he was saying, hey, look in the reflection because this is your state. And in order for me to do all that I want to do with you, because I've got a great journey for you, we're going to have to deal with this. We're going to have to deal with this nature. So what do they do? Maybe for you it's unanswered prayer, dreams that feel like, I don't know, it's just a mirage. Certainly in the last season I felt there's things in my own life where I'm like, am I just following a carrot on a stick here. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. I mean, there is some stuff, you know, in my own life and I'm preaching to myself, my like, God, if I'm honest, I'm like, are you even? Like, are you good? Are you good? But he'd led them there because sometimes God's got to put the pressure on us. He's got to put us in situations where the the pressure is so much that what's really on the internal landscape of our life comes up and so it can be seen so that he can do something. And let's see what he does. So they, they cry out, right? Verse 25, Moses cries out to the Lord and the Lord shows him a piece of wood and he throws it on the water And the water becomes fit to drink. In other interpretations, it says, and the water becomes sweet. The water became sweet. Today, you and I, well, we can't take a log and throw it in our internal landscape. But the Son of God, on two pieces of wood, hung on a cross and died for your sin and mine, your pain and mine, your suffering and mine, your disappointment and mine. He died on a cross to demonstrate His love, but also to show that His cross is the only way for our nature that is bent and our nature that is bitter and our nature that is pain and suffering and our nature that is dead. They're the only way for that to change is the transformation that comes through the cross 
of Jesus Christ. He can turn bitter waters to sweet. He can transform dead things. He can take dead ends and make new beginnings. He can turn ashes to beauty, sickness into health, brokenness into well-being, suffering into new hope, and sin into rivers of living water within, within. The Gospel is still alive. The Gospel is still alive and it's still active. But I could sit down around the waters of Mara and I could hack it. Radio, Karen, come here. We're going to figure out how we're going to change this. What we're going to do is we're going to work a bit harder. Obviously not working hard enough, Jackson. Pick up your game. Probably need to go to theological college. No, just joking. He's got like a master's or something. He's very, and I love him. That's why I'm digging him. We have to work harder. We have to work harder to fix this water. We've got to be smarter. We've got to work smarter. Okay, you know what it is? It's someone's sin, right? Who sin? Someone's sin has made the water bitter. We need to fix. We've got to pray more. The problem with this bitter water is we need to pray more. No, there are just certain things in the internal landscape of our heart that just need the supernatural transformation that comes from the cross of Jesus Christ. And tonight, it's not real fancy, but I do feel like some people are pretty weary and they feel like maybe they're at a dead end and I've got no more strength and I don't know how to fix it and I'm absolutely stuffed. I'm confused. I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do. And you can work harder, smarter, and you can go around that mountain again. Or tonight, you can go the only way, the only way for this to change is inner transformation. Because the Israelites had naturally been saved, naturally been set free, But in order for them to do what God had them to do, now they needed their internal landscape set free. And the way we get set free is to understand that I can't muck around. I can't pretend all is good. I can't put on a face. Putting on a face is called hypocrisy. And Jesus just wasn't into it. In fact, what He said was, hey, don't listen to these Pharisees because they're a whitewashed tomb. And unfortunately, the church, the beautiful church, the bride that I love are full of whitewashed tombs where we look great on the outside, where we put on a big smile, where we know how to do connect and lead great. We've got a whole bunch of great principles and where the moral army, oh my goodness, get around me and I'll tell you how to live right. And boy, is my righteousness Woo! Check it out. And we are decaying on the inside. We are dead and broken and bitter and hurting. And the thing is, not all of us, but parts of us. And for many years, and the band can come up, for many years in this church, I loved God and I walked with Him. And I was obedient to Him and I wasn't in sin and God used me and I had this big sliver 
of mental health problems and I didn't want anyone to know about it because I thought you wouldn't like me. I thought maybe it would mean that I was broken or we're all broken. And so for years, there was these parts of me and I finally just was like, it's, no, it's never gonna get fixed. It's just my water of Mara. It's gonna carry this thing around with me. Until one day, I just was done. I was done. I was like, God, there is, I can't go forward and I can't go back. I'm stuck. I can't go back to Egypt. I can't go back to the drugs because I know too much. I can't go back to having heaps of boyfriends because I know too much. I can't go back to being promiscuous. All the things that I did before I knew you that somewhat made me feel like I can't go back. I'm, I'm too free. But I cannot. I cannot keep living this. If you are real, Moses, cry out to God. If you are real, then here's my water of Mara. And I can't fix it. I can't change it. And it's not a shame issue. It's a gospel issue. And there was a part of my life that are just yet to experience what the Gospel can do. And there are parts of your life that are flourishing and awesome and amazing and wonderful. And there's some other parts that God's going, you just need the Gospel to do its work. That's all. And the way that you came to Him the first time and maybe tonight, maybe tonight, this will be your first time of surrendering. But I know heaps of us, right? We've been walking with the Lord. The same way that we came to Him, we just keep coming to Him. We just keep coming Him with new things. Revival is at hand. In fact, revival is here. But what I've come to realise in the last season is revival's an inside job. Oh, we got to dig the wells. Oh, we got to dig the wells. But that starts as an inside job. It's digging those places in us, which is like, that's a bit hard in there. Mm, That's a bit bitter. Mm, That's probably a bit of a no-go zone with Jesus. It starts in us digging our own wells. And as we do that, the cross, it takes us and transforms us and then out of our belly come rivers of living water. And that is revival. And then we're speaking to a community that's hurting and we're flowing with God. We're not a whitewashed tomb with moral judgments, but we're like prophesying. We're laying hands on the sick. We're alive in the things of God. Oh, I want revival. I want revival, but I know that it takes a community of people that are like, well, I'm up for it. It's probably going to be a bit messy. It's probably going to be a bit messy. At the very end of this, right? It says, The Lord issues a ruling and instruction for them and He puts them to the test. God tests us. He does, but not a cruel God so that we can see what's in us. And so that once again, we can come and go, I got nothing. I got, I got, I'm, I, come on. He 
anything good in me is because a loving father found a desperate girl and kept showing up for her and kept showing up for her. And I hate to humble you, but it's true of you. And those things that that isn't true of, then I wonder really in the light of day and in the fire of God, how good they really are. And He says, Listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes. If you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees, I will not bring any of these diseases on you that I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. And what is significant, now think of the story we just went through. Think of the journey we've gone on. This is the first time in Scripture that God reveals Himself as Jehovah Rapha. I am your healer. Don't you think that's significant? In this moment, at this time, with the purpose He had for the Israelites, this is the time that He revealed, it's like He pulls back the curtain and He goes, hey, if you're gonna make it, it's me. You gotta let me heal the internal landscape of your heart. Why don't you stand with me? I wanna share one last story. And then I really want God, I really want God. I really want us to just see what God wants to do in our lives tonight. I'm not gonna prescript anything, but let me give you a practical example. In my formative years, I had a lot of abuse, as many here tonight probably can identify with or someone in their own life. And for many, many, many years, I was trying to unravel in my own strength all that had happened to me as a kid. And then I had this coming to Jesus second moment and He started to lead me on this journey of going, the reason for so much of your mental health, Larissa, is because you require the great exchange that only comes through the cross, but I can't do it if you're pretending it's not there. And so I go on this journey to start unravelling a lot of my childhood abuse. And I remember one night, morning, church here, and I was driving home and I was on my own and I was just, the water of Mara and I'm like there's still stuff I just I want to be free and I heard the Lord say that man you loved it's going to get heavy he was a pedophile and in the moment that I heard the Lord speak truth it was like this or it was, has anyone ever had those moments where the truth comes and you just, you see things as they really are? I pulled the car over to the side of the road and I mean, I was bawling, like gagging, bawling. It just, it was like I really saw my life in a way that I'd been pretending wasn't true. I was probably there for about an hour and bawling, bawling, bawling. And then I started getting pretty ticked off. Pretty ticked. 
Because then I started to realise that I was 42 years old and I had dealt with secrets and lies and the waters of Myra, like stagnant wells in my heart. And I was angry and I am telling you the words coming out of my mouth were not for churches. But Jesus didn't leave. And this rage that was in there, it was in there. You think it's not in there? It's in there. Yeah, it's just buried. It's just to the side. Well, we won't go there. Rage, rage, rage. So I'm sitting there and, you know, long enough in the things of God. And the Lord said to me, what do you want to do? Now, five years ago, it wouldn't probably have been so mature. But I'd matured. And I said, Lord, help me forgive. And I don't know if you're into woo-woo things. I can just tell you what happened for me. It was like this man who I loved my whole life. Sat in this chair next to me. He wasn't there, but it was, it was like I could feel his presence. And the father said, well, you need to forgive him. I was like, Lord, just help me. Help it be real. And so as I was just like, I just let you go. And as I was doing that, it was like I, I, I had this revelation of, you see, the cross wasn't just for me. The cross is for everyone. And although I needed forgiveness for other things, what unified me with this man that had been a secret for so long, now I was unified in the grace of God that forgives me and helps me forgive what seems like the unforgivable. And in this moment, I literally felt this presence leave the room and the joy of God that came into my heart, this place that had been inside of me since I was like two years old. And it was just, it's just the joy and the joy and the joy because the waters of Mara, when the cross is activated, brings about the rivers of living water and no one could have done that. So tonight, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna invite you to engage in your river. I can't tell you what it is. I can't tell what your Mara is. It's yours. But what I'm inviting you to do is as the band just worships, you can come to the front if you want, but we're just gonna go, Lord, I'm just, I just, I'm gonna be honest and I just need your cross cast upon the internal landscape of my heart in whatever area it is. As I've been talking tonight, if you feel like the Lord is speaking to you and you're not sure what He wants to do, but you do know that the presence of God is wooing you tonight because He wants to meet you, why don't you come down the front and we're gonna pray together and let's worship. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.